Hey guys, welcome to the Leveled Up Podcast. Megan here. Before we dig into this week's episode, I just want to let you know that this week we digged into some pretty tough topics, specifically suicide. So if that's a trigger for you or maybe something you don't want to listen to, maybe skip this episode and check out a former episode or wait for next. Anyway, it's a great, great conversation about going from a really dark place to being super inspired and a place of confidence. Janelle's incredible. You're going to love her story. I just wanted to make sure you knew what you were getting into. For those of you that stick it out with us, enjoy this episode. We laugh, we cry. It's a great one. Talk to you guys soon. So, okay, the confidence episode. This is awesome. (laughs) I love that oftentimes we're talking about stuff that affects every other piece of your life. And that's one thing that I love about having you here. Yeah. So, I completely agree. We have Janelle here. Janelle Lene. Um, owner of Next Level, Next Level Confident. Confident. Okay, we can cut that out. Owner of Next Level Confident. Um, she has graced us with her presence. I had a chance to meet Janelle a few months ago at our anniversary party at Level Up. And um, she had just moved here a little bit ago and was, you know, talking about her business. And I was absolutely fascinated by her passion for infusing confidence into various groups of people and so we sat down for coffee and I am so excited for her to share her story um, on how she got here and we are going to talk about some tangible things to help confidence so Janelle my love tell us a little bit about you yeah thanks for having me you're welcome to be here also your guys' group is awesome I've checked out a lot of groups and I'm not, I, I sound bougie, but I have pretty high standards. And there's some that I go to, I'm like, well, I won't be back. <laughs> that, was, that was nice. And I will never see you again. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But not you guys. You guys rock. So thank, thank you for you. that. Yes, um, love you. the people there and the energy. Um, yeah, my name's Janelle Lene. I started Next Level Confident. And I help women build confidence in corporate America. So I host a workshop called The Confidence Workshop. And... In that workshop, we talk about all the practical ways to build confidence, starting with your mindset and then ending with look good, feel good, because Mm -hmm. looking good is a little part of confidence, but it's not the main part. Correct. Yeah, totally. So that's the start. Do you want me to dive in the whole story? Girl, I want to hear your story. I want you to share it with the world because it is is a really powerful story. Oh, I'm excited. Really powerful story. And if you're listening, just so you're aware, she's wearing not only... A fanny pack, but also a scrunchie. And that's why we love her even more. <laughs> Crushing it. Leopard Very confident. fanny pack. Why and the, her you? earrings match. It Leopard was, print earrings. Yes, it's phenomenal. <laughs> and I often have women tell me, I wish I could wear the types of things that you wear. Like, you, you can wear anything you want. I'm like, and you can wear anything you want also. <laughs> yes. Anyone can wear anything they want. It's just about having the confidence and not caring yep. what anyone else thinks. You mm. just do you. Yep. So, yeah, to start my story from the beginning, should I look at the camera at all or no? Uh, just it's totally up to you. I feel like you should go straight into it like Jim on The Office. <laughs> like, whenever one of us says something, like, kind of dumb, just look at, like, Bears, B, like, the- Battlestar, Quack. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is 100%. Yes! That's going to be a social media clip. It is. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yes. You can look there. You can look at us. Okay, great. Great, great, great. Okay, so... My story starts out, um, I grew up in upstate New York, Ithaca, and my parents are, my dad was a pastor and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and around the age of 13, my parents were like, hey, we're moving to Colorado, Mm -hmm. and I was like, yo, I'm actually not going with you, so I talked to my best (laughs) friend's mom, Uh, she said I can live with them, so I won't be leaving with you, unfortunately, we'll schedule our visits from here, (laughs) and they were like, uh, yeah, you're, you're coming with us. So started pretty rebellious at a young age and very independent. Um, needless to say, after moving, I think that was a little bit of the part of where things got harder because I loved my friends in New York. I loved my community there. And I think 13 is just like a hard, this is a hard time to move, I think. Um, so moving and then my parents definitely were more traditional, a little bit stricter side of things. And so, um, I just, a lot of times I, 
And there's so many layers to this. Like, I was homeschooled for many years. Me too. You were homeschooled? My whole life. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I, I liked you. You were weird. Yes. I love it. Okay. Nice. Homeschoolers unite. Seriously, though. We'll um, talk more about this later. We're going to dive in. We're both oh. kind of normal. <laughs> what do you have? We're the left out ones. We're like, we both went to public school. Suck yeah, like, Yes. <laughs> Don't you wish you were homeschooled? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, so I was homeschooled and um, very conservative. And I don't know, there's all these different layers. I don't know exactly where to put my finger on everything that happened. But basically, um, probably around 13 or 14, I think it was after the move, uh, started to have darker thoughts and just feeling really alone. It it didn't look like that from the outside. Like from the outside, it looked like I had all these friends. I seemed really happy, very charismatic. Um, but you know, they say like a lot of people who are uh, suicidal or commit suicide, most people don't even know that that's the mm -hmm. stuff that's happening behind the scenes uh, because you fake it, right? You're faking everything so that people don't know and you're not talking to anyone about what's really going on. So for me, um, I was never diagnosed with depression. I never, I mean, I never told anyone. I didn't want anyone to know. I was raised with all brothers. I was very much, feel, I, I always felt like being tough, you know, mm -hmm. you should be tough, be cool. Nothing matters. I don't care. Um, but I, I was probably around the age of like 14, 15, where I started to think about what would happen if I did kill myself. And I started to just toy around with ideas of like the best way to do it, basically. And being like, okay, pills would probably be best or shooting myself, I want something quick and easy. Like I toyed with a lot of those dark ideas and really where it was coming from was wanting to punish people and wanting to punish like uh, kids at school like that were, that were being rude to me or mean to me or I just felt different. Like I had labeled myself as like, I'm different so I don't fit in. And it's because I labeled myself as that, I continued to look for ways to confirm that. Mm -hmm. And that became my truth mm -hmm. and um, so I think it was to punish those kids. Some of it was because I felt so, um, you know, restricted by my parents. They were doing, of course, the best that they possibly, they knew how to. And I think I turned out pretty well. So that's the positive. But yeah, at that time, you know, it was just a very strict upbringing. And so I would picture my funeral and I would picture how many people would come to my funeral. And I would picture... Um, like that it would be like a packed house. Like I'd be like, I just want everyone to miss me. Mm -hmm. I want to be missed. And basically where that comes from is just wanting to be loved and to be accepted and fit in. Um, and my parents loved me a lot. So that was not a problem. And right. I think I was loved at school much more than I thought I was. Um, but it's kind of like in It's a Wonderful Life. Have you guys ever seen mm -hmm. that like Christmas movie? You know, he like gets to see what his life looks like when it's gone. Like, yeah. I think that I wanted to picture what my life would be like if I was gone and the people who would regret treating me poorly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd picture like the things they'd say about me. They'd be like, yeah, Janelle was so awesome. And it was like this ego boost. Mm -hmm. So needless to say from there, I, even though I was toying around with the idea of killing myself, I, I really like, I could never get myself to like actually do it because I knew it was bad I was like that's bad you can't you shouldn't kill yourself like that's not what you're supposed to do so I I think this is where it's like all super subconscious but I started to believe what if there was like a natural cause where I could die naturally and so I was like maybe like a car accident no one could blame me if I died in a car accident mm. and so from there I formulated this belief that I was gonna die in a car accident at some point and I somehow attached to like middle tw mid twenties and it's all really, it's like weird to even talk about out loud because I've done so much work to like uncover all these layers to it. Mm -hmm. Cause I couldn't have said any of that to you, you know, sure. five, six, seven years ago um, when I still believed that. And so I had this weird subconscious limiting belief that I was going to die in a car accident in my mid twenties. And basically what that does to your life is it, it encourages you not to do a whole lot and to really not care. So I didn't really put any big dreams in my life. I didn't really, you know, I didn't really care what I did at college. Like I went to college, but I was like, yeah, you're, you're supposed to go. I'll go through all the motions of what you're supposed to do. And then one day I'll die and everyone will find out, you know? Yep. And, uh, yeah, one of the things you said to me was that you never pictured yourself to be an entrepreneur, like at all. Like, Oh no. At that time you would, those would have never been words that you're like, yeah, no. That's never been my vision. Because you didn't picture your future. Right. Yeah. 
I really do think that I might have died at a young age from just the the self-sabotage and basically Mm -hmm. uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think that just the psychology, if you think about every time I'm driving, especially like Mm. if it was like now, right? Like I'm like in my 20s. So anytime I'd be like in the age that I had deemed around the time I was supposed to die, I can just picture myself. Because even when I, like as a teenager, when I would drive, I would picture myself getting these crazy car accidents. Like I would visualize them as I would as I would drive, and I would like picture someone hitting me, and I picture myself rolling and like turning and like the, maybe the car exploding or like my head gashed in. Like I would picture it all, mm-hmm. the whole car accident, and I really think that if I continued to visualize that and focus on that, then I would hold the steering wheel really tight and clenched and like, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Part of me wonders if it might have really happened yeah, we were, because I believed it so right. fully. We were talking yeah. about like power of manifestation, like that yeah. that thinking and stuff like that. And so we'll get into how you overcame it. Yeah. Kind of those next steps. Cause I yeah. think that's really powerful too. Totally. Yeah. So I believed it for like close to 10 years of my life, probably like I'd say like maybe eight or nine. And I believed it all through college. I dated the same guy for six years. And that was another thing, like going back to the psychology behind it, you don't really make decisions. It basically leaves you in a place of indecision because you're like, it doesn't, no decision matters really like Mm -hmm. deep down, nothing matters. And so I stayed with the same guy for six years. I chose like a random degree. It was like, everything was just random. I was like floating. Like I picture myself like floating through okay. space just like la da we'll just see what just happens listless yeah. in generality yeah a term for those kind of people yeah that's that was me and that was because of that dark limiting belief and as i've shared the story i've started to hear more and more people have reached out to me who are like i've always believed i was gonna die of cancer at a young age or i've always believed like i've had other people who thought they were gonna die in a car accident or wake up dead like so kind of like your dad like there are people like, this is a thing, mm-hmm. I guess. Like, I yeah. think because we're all so afraid of death. And, like, so that's why I just want to talk about it. Like, I just want to open the door for people to be able to yeah. start sharing that story on the front end, right? Because it's so scary. Like, I only told two people in all that time. And the two people I told, one person said to me, um, like, it was my boy, that boyfriend at the time. And he was like, holy cow, like, don't say that. Shut yeah. up. That's horrible. Don't ever think that again. I was like, True. You're right. I won't ever think that again. And then the other person I told, um, she's actually one of my best friends, but she actually had a family friend who believed he was going to die early in a car accident. And then he did. And so I was like, cool. See, there's proof. I'm like called to this. This is my calling for my life. And um, it wasn't until I sat down with some mentors. It was right before I graduated. So this was 2014. So six years ago now sat down with some mentors for my church and I told them and and my uh the husband of the the couple he said do you picture everyone who's gonna come to your funeral and I was like yeah he's like do you picture everything they say about you I'm like yeah he was like I used to believe that too I was like no way and that was the first time that I realized that I wasn't alone Mm -hmm. I think that was the most powerful thing to realize that I wasn't the only person struggling with this belief Mm -hmm. and I wasn't like a psychopath and I wasn't crazy and I just shouldn't go to an insane asylum for thinking it. So your belief, it it went beyond that to not just, I believe I'm going to die young, but this also makes me a psychopath. This also makes me crazy. Right. Wow. Yeah, because you like don't want to share it with anyone. Like Mm -hmm. it's so weird. Well, because of the two people that you did decide to share it with, they both took it to like that, whoa, 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 no, no, no type thing. And then you're like, oh, yep, just affirming that, you know, yeah, there's all these things. this isn't okay. Yeah. I can't share this with people. Yeah. Because mm. can you imagine telling someone, like, I think I'm called to, like, die in a car accident. Like, that's my life purpose or destiny or something right. like yeah. that. Like, it's it's not, it's not a pretty topic, yeah. you know? And so telling them and having someone who had been there, yeah, it's like, I think it's just the power of Me Too, you know, the Me Too movement. It's like knowing that someone else has been where you've been is so freeing because you're like, I'm not a psychopath. I'm not weird. I'm not alone. Like we're all going through stuff. And so anyone who's listening right now, just know like we're all going through something and you're not alone. And it's better to bring those dark things into the light as opposed to shoving them down because then you just ruminate on them more and manifest them more. And that becomes your reality. Mm -hmm. So telling those mentors, um, you know, from a faith perspective, like they, they prayed over me and, I really like from that day forward, I never believed it again because because of the words they said. They said, You were created for greatness. You were created for something big. You were created to live your entire life. 
And this is a lie that has been set inside of you to stop you from achieving that greatness. Mm -hmm. And that made so much sense to me all of a sudden. I was like, because I do believe in a spiritual realm and because I do believe in, in, in light and dark and I believe in God and, and all these different things. I was like, God has such a big plan and a purpose for my life that actually like darkness is trying to pull me down and pull me away from what I'm called to do. And so that's how I was able to really like break free from that lie that day. And from there on out, I was able to live my whole life. Like I, it was so freeing. Like I, I broke up with that six year boyfriend cause I knew he wasn't my person. I kept waiting till I would, I was like, he'll find out soon, you know? And i then I ended up quitting my job, moving to California, starting my company, like everything I ever dreamed about doing or anything I ever, I would talk a big talk. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that a lot of people listening can relate to. A lot of people talk a big talk, but once you finally break free from realizing that you, you get to live. You get this entire life and you only get one chance. And now that I know that I have my whole life to live and of course, you know, there is an off chance that I could die. But instead of focusing on my death being here any day, I'm focusing on life being here and living my life to the fullest yeah. as if I will live a full life. And that's what I hope to live. Yeah. And that is what I, you know, I hope to be called for is that long life. But um, I think what we can do is sometimes just, it's it's kind of a victim mindset. We get mm -hmm. to, we just settle into that mindset um so yeah yeah so moving out to california starting this business how did you choose to work with women in the entre entrepreneurial scheme in regards to confidence yeah so it was a journey for that even i didn't know what i wanted to do and i think it's so important to realize like a lot of people don't know their life purpose yeah. immediately you have to try new things so i, I sometimes have clients who work at you know an office job that they hate, but they're like, but I don't really know what I want to do. It's like, well, you can't keep doing the same thing that you're currently doing and, and figure it out. So that's why I knew I wanted to do something with people. I like people, as you can tell, I like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a shortage of words over here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I started personal training. So that's when I moved to California. I didn't know a single person. I didn't have, I found some roommates online. I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything. I just literally went and I was like, I'm gonna figure it out because I've always wanted to move to the beach. And I was living in Colorado and as we all know, I didn't want to live here that much. From <laughs> 13. From a yeah. young age until after college. <laughs> so 13 old, old you was like, yeah. yes, Janelle, you got out. <laughs> so yeah. And I had, like I said, I had talked about doing these things. Like, you know how people like talk about doing stuff, but they never actually do it. Mm -hmm. One day I just woke up. I'm like, and, and like, once again, it, it was because I started to believe I was worth living and my life was worth it that I started to actually take action on my life. Um, so I was like, I'm going to keep talking about moving somewhere. I kept talking about like Australia or California or just going somewhere, but I never, ever, ever did it. But finally I was like, you can't talk a big talk. You get to walk a big walk. Yeah. And so I moved to California and I figured it out. I mean, I was broke for a while there and I was working three jobs. I was working at Orange Theory. I was coaching boot camps at a park. I was doing a social media position. And then that morphed into a personal training job that was full-time one-on-one training at a gym in San Diego called the Fit Athletic Club, which is the best gym in San Diego, which was awesome. Um, became the top trainer there pretty quickly, which was awesome. And then uh, I just started to realize as I was working with women with personal training, like a lot of women who trained with me, they were like, they were there to get a hot bot, right? And they were like, I want to look good. And they thought if they looked good, they would have confidence. Right. And what I started to realize when I was training women that their their body did, would change, but their mind still mm -hmm. wouldn't. Yep. Their mind was still stuck in them, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's when I started Next Level Confident. And what that started as was half personal training, half mindset coaching. Um, and that was awesome. And I realized I like really don't care about personal training hardly at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my it's just evolved and morphed and I realized yeah. I just cared about helping women. Like I want everyone to be healthy and I do want people to work out. Like I right. think that's really a, a part of it, a piece of your confidence. But what I wanted to help women do is figure out their limiting beliefs and the crazy, crazy, quote unquote, stories and lies that they had created, much like mine. Like some people have 
as dramatic of stories as mine. Some people don't, but a lot of people do have stuff buried inside oh, of them yeah. that they, they haven't. Do. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and that's what's stopping people from doing what they really want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we were to attend um, one of your speaking engagements, what's some of the key points that you really focus on when you're talking with, uh, I don't obviously want to take away from what you do, but like just some of those really powerful points that you really like to engage in when you're speaking. Totally. So the confidence workshop is the workshop that I host at um, corporate, corporate um, America, but specifically I like to work in the STEM industries, Mm -hmm. science, technology, engineering, and math, because I want to help women who are outnumbered and feel you know like they a lot of times well here's a stat for you 56 percent of women are now graduating college are college grads but only 23 percent are in c-suite positions Mm -hmm. so there's this huge disparity and one thing that frustrates me is a lot of times women enjoy to play the victim card where they think it's because of their gender Mm -hmm. that they're not getting where they want to be and i as I believe, your perception is your reality. So if you're sitting around saying like, well, no wonder I'm not getting that raise. It's because I'm a woman, like blah, blah. Go after what you want. Yeah. And if you work for a company, if you've gone after what you want and you really and truly feel discriminated after, get your ass up and go to a new company, you know? Right so yep. um, it's really teaching women to stand in their power. One of the things I love talking about is the limiting beliefs. So I have women write out limiting beliefs that can be around Um, marriage that can be around career like I had a limiting belief for the longest time that marriage is always hard and crappy and that there's no such thing as a happy healthy marriage and but then that that was a really subconscious belief but on the outside I was saying I want to find me a man yeah where's the man at yeah where's the good one I want where's the good one and it's just so funny because I kept dating not good ones (laughs) (laughs) imagine that Imagine that, yeah. yeah. But like so many people aren't aware of their subconscious beliefs, so they don't understand why they keep getting the same crappy results. Yeah, whether right. that be within a relationship, whether that be within friendship, whether that be within yeah. business, it's all. If you don't have what you want in some area of life, it's because you have a limiting belief that's stopping you from getting to where you want to be. So in the workshop, I have all the ladies write out their limiting beliefs and the truth. Um, People who are vulnerable can share them, but sometimes it's better to get women one-on-one so they can share it amongst each other because mm-hmm. they're hard. They're hard yeah. to share, Yeah, you know? Um, another point that I talk about is your, your uh, what is the word I'm looking for? You called it your power pose. But yeah, your, pow- your, yeah your power pose, your posture. That's yeah. what I was looking for. Yeah, your posture matters. And so there's a really cool TED Talk for anyone listening. If you haven't yet listened to it, um, it's how your body language might affect how you think about yourself. Yeah. And can we put that in show notes? Cool. Show notes, baby. Show <laughs> notes. Um, and so what they found in this study briefly as an overview is that if you hold yourself in a big way, so like shoulders back, arms not crossed, especially when you're standing, you know, like not crossing your arms when you stand, not crossing your legs when you're standing, like people do all these things that they don't realize are ways of telling people, I'm insecure. Mm-hmm. And what they found, they would have people do low power poses, which is like slumping, crossing, all that stuff, and then high power poses. So, you know, you could put your arms up in the air like Superman, or you could just, you know, sit up nice and big and take up space like that. If you do that for two minutes, it actually changes your hormones. So your testosterone, which is your power hormone, will go up when you power pose, and your cortisol levels, which is your stress hormone, will go down. So the bigger you hold yourself, the less stress you'll be and the more powerful you'll come off. And in this TED Talk, they have people do that for two minutes before going into an interview. Guess who gets the interview? The high power poses. Mm -hmm. And it literally is because of two minutes of doing a high power pose that changed the hormones in their body and they go in the interview and they get the interview and the interviewers, they can't quite put their finger on why they're, they're like, I don't know. I mean, their, their resumes were similar. Everything was similar, but they just have this, this vibe about them. Just yeah. this energy. What, what kind of energy ladies? Big dick energy. Hey, <laughs> every episode. It happens at least once. Every episode. I love it. No, I like that. I talk a lot about big dick energy because like, I understand it's vulgar. I get it, but it's, for real. It's real. Yeah. It Seriously. Exists. So like another way of saying that in a gentler way is like a quiet kind of confidence that mm-hmm. makes people think you know what you're doing and you're confident in yourself. That's, mm. yeah. that's kind of crazy. Um, and I, I love what you said. Sorry. Were you, did I interrupt you? No. I love what you were saying about like not being the victim of your gender, but going out and getting what you want because um, 
National Ge- Geographic just put out an excellent issue on women. I saw that. Um, I found it in my office. Nice. Um, and uh, one of the stats that caught me, because it was it was worldwide data, was women are half of the population, but they hold less than a quarter of all political seats. Mm. Um, and uh, so what you just described about how women can do small, simple things um, to help boost their confidence to get to where they want to go, that isn't just so you get the raise. That's like how we teach our daughters to act mm. so that we can change that that disparity for future generations. Because if we're 50% of the population, we should be represented 50%. But it's us keeping ourselves small. Mm. Uh, because when you go to get things done, you're sitting like this and you don't want to be seen and you don't take your seat at the table. So um, I, I, I 100% endorse everything that you said. Um, and I even would put a bullhorn on it and say there's broader impacts, generational impacts to making mm. this change in you, in you, in each woman to make this change because you make that change, all the women that you touch and all the women that they touch and it's this amazing, beautiful ripple effect of changing the world for the better and let's do more of that, that is all. Come on, mic drop, <laughs> <laughs> we out. Yeah, um, I think it's it's one of those things that teach girls at a, a young age, like you said, like how their posture matters and how they hold themselves matters and a lot of it does come from a, like, that's why you have to do both and. You can't just have a, I don't believe you can just hold yourself really well. Like, I have a great posture all the time. But if deep down you still are struggling with like, mm-hmm. am I smart? Yeah. I mean, that was one of my limiting beliefs for a long time. I'm stupid. Mm. And did I look for ways to confirm that I was stupid everywhere I went? Yeah. Yes. And did I find them? Yes. It's like when you're in the market for a Tesla, which I am, and you are nice. too, obviously. Yeah, all We're the powerful women the- in my life are like... Teslas. Tesla, baby. Not um, all of them. Some of them want Highlanders. Apparently, I'm getting a Highlander. <laughs> yes. As I got told today, my other half goes, you're getting a mom car. I'm like, screw you. It drives really nice. Really nice. <laughs> Have you seen the leather seats? <laughs> no, my dream car is Audi or higher. Is One day will happen, and I would prefer to have a convertible than a, an SUV. So I can picture that. Me. I can totally picture that. <laughs> Possibly red. <laughs> I, I like this. Yeah, yeah. It has to be sparkly. There's there's glitter somewhere on this car, and like gold handles, like gold rims, gold rims, like a drug dealer. Yeah, out there dealing mortgages, man. You know, right? New Jersey, California. <laughs> we that baby. Oh my god. So good. Okay, sorry. So um, it's like when you're looking for a Tesla and you're you're in the market for it. So all of a sudden you see Teslas everywhere. You're yeah. like, confirmation oh, Tesla. Bias. Yes, confirmation bias. Exactly. And so when you believe a limiting belief, like I'm stupid or I don't belong here, you will always look for confirmation bias. You look for ways to confirm it, even though it might not be true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you can do is you can switch that and look for ways to confirm the the opposite so if you're trying to remember i'm smart i'm smart look for ways to confirm that you're smart and tell yourself how smart you are every single time someone gives you even the smallest compliment really dig for that so both and you got to have the mindset and you got to have the posture and the vibe um the other thing i talk about is how women love knowledge we're great learners which is why there's more women graduating high school college masters and doctorate's degrees over men and yet men will apply for jobs that they are 60% qualified for, but women will only apply for jobs that they're 100% qualified for. And that's because we don't know how to take risk. Because if we take a risk, which we've all done before, and then when we failed, because sometimes you fail when you take a risk, because that's inevitable. Mm -hmm. But what we do as women, as opposed to the man with the quote unquote big dick, we go into this like failure mode. Like, we don't say like, oh, that was a failure or that was a learning lesson. We say, I am a failure. Yep. And once again, we look for a confirmation bias, bias to confirm that we are a failure. And mm-hmm. so if you think about that loop in the mind, if you beat yourself up so much for taking that risk and then failing, mm-hmm. are you going to take another risk? Nope. Nope. Right. So you don't. And and so I, I think some of the conversations, just learning to train women how to re-speak to themselves. So I was listening to... Um, 
it's, I guess it's not a TED talk, but it's Caddy Kay, who's the author of The Confidence Code. Yep. And she talks about um, when you're leaving work, say you did one thing wrong, right? And a lot of times us women, we love to ruminate on the one thing we did wrong and we just replay in our head. We could have said this a little bit differently. And if I had just done this a little bit better, then that wouldn't have happened. And, and we just spend all this wasted brain space thinking about this one thing that happened at work. But instead of thinking about that, you could think about three things you did well that actually have nothing to do with that one thing. So you could be like, okay, well, gosh, I did a great job keeping up with my emails today. I can't believe I wrote like 50 emails. That was a lot, but I did it. And and wow, I had a hard conversation with my coworker where I had the courage to walk up to her and say, hey, I really didn't like how you treated me in the meeting. Um, can we talk about that? Right. And so it's finding three things that you're really proud of yourself for in the day. And it's rewiring your brain to look for mm-hmm. the positive in what you've done. Mm-hmm. So that's how you can train yourself to take more risk. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I um, have always been like a risk taker. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I was like middle of my career at Lockheed Martin when I realized like this is why there's all these dudes getting ahead and women mm. aren't getting ahead. Um, and it wasn't because they hated women. Like women would get put up for every position because they had to have a woman be put up yes. for every position. Um, and it was even worse if you were a woman of color because you got put up for every position just so that they could cover their bases, right? Yeah. Um, but um, it didn't always turn out. Like the numbers still reflected what we all know of numbers of women in, in science and engineering. And um, so I, I totally love that you're in the STEM space because that's happening and it happens everywhere. It doesn't just happen in STEM. Right. But from my experience from there, lucky that was 100%. Hundred percent. That's what happened, and we're be- we're holding ourselves back, but but we're holding ourselves back. I think. Well, tell me if you agree, because we don't know better. Mm. I think if women knew these things, if we were taught these things, if we were educated emotion on emotional intelligence and mindset and all this stuff as children instead of like, I don't know, par- parallelograms. <laughs> yeah, be a good girl. <laughs> yeah, don't be bossy. Ah, don't get me started. <laughs> oh, I have, I have a little thing to share. So I was looking for, I got married in August and I was looking for a card for my parents for the wedding day. And I was looking on Amazon where, you know, you find all good cards, I'm sure. Um, and I was, it's it was where like, find everything. It's where you find everything. Yeah. Um, it was, I was looking for a card that said something like, um, from your daughter on the wedding day, but I couldn't find that card. All I could find was from your little girl on the wedding day. But you could find the ma- the male counterpart part and said from your son on the wedding day. But could uh, you find from your little boy? No. You think a grown man is going to be like from your little boy? No. Yep. But from the little girl is acceptable and I could not find one that said from your daughter. Cuz wow. I don't resonate with little girl. I I'm not a little girl and I no, I, I love I love my parents, but I'm not trying to say from I mean I just I really genuinely just couldn't buy that card. I was like yeah. I'm not a little girl. I still sometimes call my dad daddy, like, when I'm just talking to him, like, on the phone, if I haven't talked to him in a couple of days. But I still, as somebody that's getting married this year, would not get that card for my father. Because I do not, he does not picture me as a little girl, nor do I picture myself as Also, when we think about it in this context, that's a little creepy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) In and of itself, is creepy. Like, little girls shouldn't be getting married. Yeah. This isn't Sudan. Oh my gosh. Preach. You took that to an entirely <laughs> darker level than I think. That Sorry, I got the National going. Geographic issue in my head. Sorry, we'll take out that. No, no I, that was perfect. <laughs> um, but th- the whole point is that, like, as a nation, we are breeding. People are breeding girls to be little girls. Right. And that's that's one of the biggest problems. I love that Rachel Hollis talks about that in one of her books that she realized that she felt like she needed to be little. And that's what's happening a lot is women are trained to be a nice little girl and play by the rules at school. And I I love my favorite. I want to get this this uh, shirt, actually. It's it's a meme. It just says, nah, Rosa Parks. Nice. I'm like, yes. <laughs> there was a thing posted a while back a long while back that was uh this woman in london experimented with not moving out of the way hmm. when you, like in the tube like not getting out of people's way go wait what tube the, going the, to the, the subway like, the, the underground, underground. Oh, yeah, 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 underground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah thank you um and not moving out of the way and just seeing what happens because she just realized women are always the one to like change their path so that they're not 
getting in men's ways. And she wasn't, she's in, from my understanding of it, by no means an aggressive feminist man hater. But she, it was just like, I wonder what would happen if, if I, I just stopped doing this. And uh, she had a couple occasions where men would like literally look at her like, what is wrong with you? Oh and gosh. like bump into her and just could not, could not understand what was happening. And it's not their fault either because we've trained them as mm. much as they've trained us. Like it's just a huge societal thing, right? And so it's not like a thing to be pissed at men about because they're just, that's how our society just, we've learned to interact with one another and one another. Just like we know power distance and all of that changes from place to place. But um, I found that really, really interesting when I read that for the first time. And so I wonder if there's, if there's like we should do a level up, don't move out of people's way day. That would be really cool. I like, I support I that. I fall down enough as it is, you guys. Like, I don't know. I need to get body checked Same by a bunch of strangers. Yeah, it's um, interesting. Just all this stuff under the total surface that you don't, you know, you don't think about. Yeah. And I think, I, I mean, it's it's hard because, and I've, I've struggled with this in the past because, you know, I've never identified with a really extreme feminist point of view because... And I don't know if this is, is controversial or not, because I think a lot of the times, even if there is something going on that's like outwardly discriminatory, a lot of times until you have the confidence in yourself to even address something like that, it doesn't really make an impact. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if that if that makes any sense, but like, you know, I think that for me, because in, in the industry I'm in, it's, it's very male dominated and that's... You know, that's just kind of how finance has been for a long time. And we just hit, whatever, number one broker-dealer for women again, six years in a row. So dope. Awesome. Really excited about that. But there's still things that happen on a regular basis that I know aren't um, exactly how I would like them to be. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's not really anybody else's fault because I'm the one who has to say something and say, you know what, like, mm-hmm. actually, I'm not okay with this. But it's not because of who you guys are. It's because of who I am. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm saying that this is acceptable and this isn't. Right. Um, I really like your story and I haven't said much because it like resonates with me to an uncomfortable really? level. Like you could have just told me like my story, like mm-hmm. almost word for word. Like if I hadn't like, like talking about like being a teenager and like, I didn't understand what depression was as a kid. I just knew that I was sad all the time and I didn't know that other kids weren't sad all the time. Mm-hmm. I just like, I thought that that was normal And I was part of also a really conservative family. And until, you know, my sister got an actual bombing at our school, like any mental health issue we had was like, and it wasn't their fault. Like, just like you said, they were doing their best, the best they knew that they could. Almost everything was just kind of played off as whatever your your sinful nature or, you know, they didn't really understand mental health until we had to understand mental health. Mm -hmm. When I was 16, I remember... Um, you know, our, our pastor's son shot himself and it devastated everybody, mm-hmm. everybody. And if he hadn't done that and I didn't see the, the effect that it had on every single person in his life, I feel like I probably would have come close myself. Like if I didn't see that, like, I don't know if I would be here. And that's like, like, I'm kind of like shaken today because your story is so close to mine that it's just like very uncomfortable. Um, but how do you, how do you go? Because I know that I've had my own kind of journey here to get to a point where, you know, I have a destiny and a purpose and somebody literally had to tell me like, you have a destiny and a purpose mm-hmm. for that to be the case. How did you go from the point where you felt alone and weird and like something other to, um, I'm sorry, you guys, I have to take a second. You're good. Thanks for sharing. I'm getting emotional thinking about not having you here. Yeah. That would break my heart. It's okay. I'm confessing too, so this is only work. <laughs> it's okay to cry. There's no need to apologize. Yeah. I know. Do you want a hug? <sighs> All right, now. <laughs> <laughs> too bad. I'm like, I will crawl across this table, damn it. Water. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, back. So, long pause. 
Insert okay. Megan telling people to like, <laughs> like, like share whenever Janae starts crying. Just, it's just, hey, just a reminder to share the podcast. Wait, what usually happens? So we started, we recorded. We're going to have to sing sound again. <laughs> we yes, recorded um, a little like thing like, hey guys, as a reminder, success from this podcast comes from liking, sharing, or commenting you know, on all things. <laughs> it's a quick when someone just starts crying. So I got like insert pause. <laughs> but it just happens every single time somebody starts crying. No, but it um, happens we, during too. Yeah. But you know what we need to do? You know how that in the old school TV shows they'd be like just a minute while we have a word from our sponsors. And yeah. there's like cheesy music in the background and some crappy graphic. I could pan to you and then you could break it should be like, wall. We're having we're having just one quick cry break. We'll be right back. Yes. <laughs> like, wait, we can all say that together. That'd be really funny. And then everyone can hold a bottle of It is, happens that we cry on this podcast. Fairly We, we cried at the last interview too. It just was, we were talking about dogs and... <laughs> We were talking about this story oh, about saving this dog is incredible. Saving Jen. this fourteen-year-old dog that we were all like, <laughs> okay. Sing okay. sound. You want me to do it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. So anyway, on on this show, we talk about identity a lot because I'm I'm a firm believer that and like this is an Ed Milet idea. Like I I know he's not the first to think of it, but I like the way that he looks at it as kind of an internal thermometer. And wherever that is, so if, whatever, if that internal thermometer is low, if your identity is low, if you um, think of yourself as somebody who doesn't deserve very much or somebody who doesn't make very much money or somebody who's always in painful relationships or somebody who's just sad all the time, then your life reflects that. Like, how did you go piece by piece and how would you tell somebody to go piece by piece from, man, my internal temperature is so low. Like, this is how I think of myself as I only deserve this much to over time becoming a really high identity person mm-hmm. where now you can say to yourself seriously, I'm confident mm-hmm. or I'm attractive or I'm capable or, or I'm, I'm smart or, yeah, or, I'm, or I'm the kind of person who makes a million dollars a year. Like, how do you change your identity from... Um, and I have some ideas about it and I know what I've been told, but I want to hear from you specifically. How do you make that journey? Because it's not, it's not piece by piece. I know personally, like I just, I literally just got tell like comfortable telling people I'm a confident person. Mm. Like I'm confident in who I am. I'm confident in what I do. Like saying that out loud because now I believe it, but I didn't believe it until recently. We're telling people, whatever, I'm a leader and not believing it until recently like how do you get somebody to that point because I know that for me it was really fucking hard and it took a lot of pain and growth over time like do you believe and I know this I keep asking questions and then like continuing to talk um <laughs> is there a way to do that without a lot of really painful growth hmm. I don't think so I think that painful growth is part of it and I don't think there's one linear, like efficient way as much as I would love to have like the most efficient answer possible. Um, the number one thing I would say first and foremost for anyone who's struggling with something is to bring it to the light, um, to tell a trusted loved one. For me, a lot of the switch had to do with my faith and knowing that God has set an identity inside of me and a lot of my identity is found in my faith. So that's, that's how I can speak to it for myself. Um, I think that I think saying the scariest thing that you possibly are thinking in your head out loud, there's something so freeing about it because it loses its grip on you and it loses its weight, loses its chains. So say you're struggling with like you're saying like confidence and and your average most women would say that they struggle saying, I'm confident in who I am. So I think part of it starts with getting into the lies and getting into the dark spots. What's stopping you from feeling confident? What parts of you do you not like about yourself? And it's like writing those out and and like processing them. Then on the flip side, and more importantly, is then writing out a list of things you do like about yourself. I had a client do this recently and she couldn't think of three things she liked about herself. And that sucked. And I knew her for like two weeks and I sent her a list of 20 things that I loved about her because I knew I saw so much light in her. So that's why I think it's so important to bring it to someone else because if you're struggling with this and you don't see anything beautiful inside yourself, you like 
it blew my mind that she couldn't think of three things because to me, I would have thought she was so confident the way I like the right. way I knew of her. And it was so easy for me to create a list. And I was like, go ask your mom what she loves about you. Go ask your best friend what she thinks about you. Go ask your sister, like anyone in your community, start asking them, what do you love about me? And I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but you need to hear what people see in you so you can start affirming that and seeing that in yourself. Confirmation bias. Once again, if you never ever get into this like gunky area and you keep trying to fake it, like you can do as much power posing as you want, but if you hate yourself and you can't see a single good thing about yourself, you're not gonna get there. So you gotta go to the dark places and it's gonna suck. And Brene Brown talks a lot about that. Mm -hmm. She went to her therapist and she said, okay, I wanna talk about all this stuff, but I don't wanna do anything childhood. I don't wanna do anything mm -hmm. that's gonna make me cry or vulnerable. You gotta, period. And I think, it, I think it's also being patient with the process. It takes time. Um, I know something we've both talked about before is speaking things into existence that are not yet true. So for me, like I said, I had the limiting belief. This is a little bit of a sidestep, but about marriage. I, want, I wanted marriage in theory, but I had this deeper belief that marriage was really horrible and unfun and it was going to suck actually. And you'd actually fall out of love with the person and then you just kind of like stay married just because that's what you do. Um, but I started to write every day in my journal. I'm happy and blessed that I'm married to the man of my dreams. He loves Jesus and we run a multi-million dollar company together. And I would write that every single day. And then I would date guys who weren't in alignment with any of those things, right? They were either weren't of the same faith of me or as me or they wouldn't. Uh, you know, they weren't business minded. They were, you know, fixed mindset and it would hold me accountable to actually breaking up with that person because I knew what I was looking for, even though it wasn't easy because I liked the person that I was with at the time. I kept writing that every single day, even while dating them, because I'd be like, keep my eye on the prize, keep my eye on the prize. So I think for anyone listening and I mean, even for you guys, it's writing out every day. I am confident and beautiful because, you know, and, and finding reasons to why to love yourself. I think. It could be inwardly, it can be outwardly, it can be a combo of both. Um, it's affirming yourself, those I am's. And I just think it takes time and I think it brings, other, it takes bringing other people into the conversation because yeah. you can't do it alone. Yeah. You can't process it all by yourself. You can try to write it all in your journal. You can try to do all the process. Like I have a journal called the Confidence Journal. It's $14.99, get it on my website, nextlevelconfident.com insert ad um <laughs> and i work through limiting beliefs and childhood stuff and it's this deep dive into who are you what makes you beautiful um huge in personality tests because i think understanding who you are why how you do things why you tick it's all just this journey of self-love and realizing it doesn't have to happen overnight mm -hmm. be patient with yourself and bring others into it i think that's, that's so answer. brilliant yeah. And I love that you have that product. Um, when I got my life coaching certificate, I had to go through all those things, right? Like okay. you have to do your own work. It was terrible. Uh, you have to do all this. You have to do it with your with a coach. And then you have to go do it with, you know how it goes. Um, and that was really hard. Um, and I got a lot out of it and I uncovered. So even if you're listening to this and you think, no, I'm pretty good. Doing these exercises is excellent because even though um, you may be operating at a, or functioning at a high level and you feel really good, it's always good to check in on that stuff because you won't, you don't realize how quickly a limiting belief can creep back in, and mm. you just have to defend, defend your your brain uh, from and your heart uh, from that stuff because it's good to check in every once in a while. Otherwise. You're back, you're back to a bunch of limiting beliefs and negative thought patterns and you're creating negative momentum. And just like you were saying early, the cognitive behavioral cycle, right? Mm -hmm. Thoughts, thoughts, feelings, actions, thoughts, feelings, actions. Um, and so what would you say is the first um, kind of trigger for somebody that would say, that they would see to say, oh, I need to check in on some of this stuff. Well, how does that typically show up for in your experience for your clients busyness and not not having the ability to sit in silence by herself as a distraction yeah like women who don't want to face themselves in silence they need to be busy so they're constantly with friends or on their phone or on social media or drinking or at work and they're doing 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 and if you can't sit down in total silence for 30 minutes or an hour and think with your phone off or journal about who you are 
it's a, it's a red flag that you're avoiding something mm. because we love to be busy in our world mm-hmm. and busy is one of the best ways we can avoid everything going on inside and feel like you're doing good things. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You're working, you're doing, oh, you're doing all the normal things and you could, mm-hmm. you know, be crushing Instagram, putting up awesome pictures, getting lots of likes and comments. Like you could be doing a thousand things. Like I guarantee some of the most successful people in the world need this advice. Mm-hmm. They might be making millions of dollars and have millions of Instagram followers But if you can't sit alone by yourself for a couple hours or at least one hour at a time and think about your life and be like, what do I think of myself? Mm -hmm. Where's my life headed? Am I happy with who I am? I'm telling you, this stuff is something that I'm working through right now personally. And um, my therapist has told me that I function so well. She calls it at a high level of chaos. literally what she calls it because she's like you're you you function you've learned to function so well that imagine what it's like when you don't have chaos she's like it will be fucking brilliant and all it does is scare the shit out of me Mm. like literally what you're saying right now i'm like clawing at myself thinking if i had to sit by myself for one hour without my dog i don't really care about my phone i don't spend too much time on my phone when i'm done with work i leave it I don't screw around on Facebook or Instagram too much but like sitting there by myself for one hour literally is giving me like straight fucking anxiety mm-hmm. like wow. like no I I need to be hanging out with somebody because like mm-hmm. that's so much easier to do and like sitting with myself for one hour mm. brutal no tv no nothing yeah I'm like literally my palms are sweating right now do you know about that Denise? Yeah. 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 I really, honestly, especially lately, like, I don't think I always, I I don't know if I always had that. I know that lately, especially in the last like six months, I haven't wanted to just like sit. Like I can't sit with my, my thoughts. Like I have such an impulse now to just like look at something Mm. or talk, honestly not talk to somebody. Like that's off the table. Like, (laughs) like I talk to people all the time. Like if I could just be alone and have something to distract me, like... It's perfect. Yeah, that's the ideal situation. If I could take some edibles and then do that, all the better, because then I could turn my brain off. But, like, sitting alone with my thoughts is... And I'll meditate every once in a while, but at that point, it's a more, like, conscious, like, I'm doing this on purpose. Yeah. Like, if it's just throughout my day-to-day, like, I was... I got my hair done today. It took a few hours. I have a lot of hair. And I was just messing around on my phone like the entire time I talked to Dahlia for a while but I was so uncomfortable just like sitting there even though like there wasn't anything going on like I just my mind just spirals out of control and I can't do it Mm. that's what my mind goes 100 miles a minute and the only way that I have found that I can successfully meditate is through guided meditations yeah while someone's speaking to me so that I can focus on the words that they're saying and then I try to apply it within if I sit there and try to meditate for even two minutes alone, completely silent, no go, man. Mm. It's an absolute no go zone for me. Um, and she, like I said, we function at a very high level of chaos. And mm-hmm. she doesn't mean chaos and like my life is a chaotic mess. It's oh, just true. my 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 ability to sit and res- have something resonate with me, or have the ability to see what type of value or beauty that I actually truly bring, mm-hmm. instead of just taking the Megan's word for it or taking Danae's word for it or your word for it, mm-hmm. I am unable to completely complete those sentences alone. Mm-hmm. Com- like, it's something that's, like, there's a straight block that I have there. Mm-hmm. And um, we're, we're working through it. Yeah. <laughs> You've done a lot of work. You've done uh, a lot of work. Yeah. Really and it's, it's gotten better. The fact that I can even say this out loud, that I, yeah, I function yeah. at a high state of chaos. Yeah. Um, you're peeling back the layers right now because yeah. last week she just like totally reamed me and like <laughs> like she's like did that go through I'm like that was the most resonating thing you've said to me <laughs> can you hear me you're like yes I totally heard you dude and it was a little scary but I heard you yeah I would challenge you though to um to challenge your own thoughts right like you just decided that you couldn't sit for two minutes but I'm challenging that you can I've, and I've you, done it. Okay. I've and, done and you it, but start it still Start with a small me... increment, right? Like, set an alarm on your phone for two minutes yeah. and be silent. And just sit there in an open body position, palms up, breathing in and out. Let the alarm go off. Like, 
hell yeah, I did it. And like, fucking congratulate yourself. Be so proud that you did two minutes. Don't feel bad that it was only, only, it's only two minutes. Don't focus on what you did wrong, right? Or like what it wasn't good enough for anything. And then start building from there. Then try three minutes. And you know, it's, it'll take time, but Mm. there's no shame in, in starting small. Starting somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Starting somewhere. And like, when I'm talking about journaling, journaling with people, of course I have journals, but like, well, eBooks that you can buy that you'll journal, but even like people will ask me like, well, what do you journal about? And this is what I say, like a lot of times when I sit down to have like a journal sesh with myself, I don't want to do it like a one hour time where I'm just like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about with myself. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's kind of like a therapist. It's kind of like the gym. It's kind of like eating really healthy. You don't really feel like it, but you will always feel better after you will always be happy. So sit down with a blank piece of paper on that journal and just start thinking about your mind, right? Like start processing. Even if it sometimes mine starts stupid, right? Like sometimes they start like, so Frankie and I, my husband, we were on a walk today and it was a really nice day. And at first I'm starting really stupid. And then all of a sudden it's like starting to go a little bit deeper. And, be like, and then we started talking about like this idea of like, what are we doing with like, you know, our, what are we going to do together? What, how can we help people? Or like, you just start to like allow your thoughts to fall onto paper and just process. Mm-hmm. allow yourself the time to process with yourself and trust yourself that like obviously going to therapy having a coach personal development I think all that is amazing and there's a time and place where it's too much like yeah people actually enjoy filling their life with so much personal development that they won't sit by themselves and think right and then you don't see their life the way you, like some of these people, I think I said this to you the other day there's these people who like go to all the personal development conferences and have done all the work. And I'm like, dang, you've done like 10 times more work than me. But I see the, what they're, the fruit of their life is. Mm-hmm. I don't like where their fruit is. You know, they don't have anything that I want as far as their marriage, their friendships, their relationship with self, their career, their finances. Like none of those things are things that I want in them. Right. So I'm like, where's the disconnect? Yeah, it's like going to the grocery store and buying a bunch of healthy food and then just letting it rot in your fridge because yes. they're not actually applying or, or learning or doing anything in it. So you're just throwing rotten food out and going back to the grocery store because yes. you're not actually applying that. That's so a really the way good to, analogy. Yeah, that was a really good yeah. analogy. I like that. Um, analogy queen bitch. Yeah, that's good. You're a badass. Um, that's what it says in your business cards. <laughs> analogy queen bitch. Does uh, it? No, it should. should. Um, I was thinking about this because I take for granted how much work I, I've done, but it has been a minute since I've gone back and kind of reconnected on that. And, um, it is time for me to go back and do it because sitting here thinking about doing, I've gotten so much out of journaling and I've gotten so much out of like quiet meditation. So much. It changed Mm. me when I left. Um, I hope your hand was on that. Uh, when I left industry, I left the defense department I had a significant level of anxiety like a really high level of anxiety and uh, I think the number one thing I got out of it was I can be in control of my anxiety but I have to do the work it's just like um, going to the gym you're not going to be able to consistently run the same distance in the same time if you're not staying up on it and so it is important because now I'm thinking about like oh gosh I gotta get back in I gotta get back in and come back to some of this stuff and it's like the anxiety monster inside me is asking me questions like, what's going to come up? Like, what are you going to write about? What are you going to be fearful about? And, um, oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. But, That's what I'm struggling with. <laughs> yeah, but the great thing is, is that we, every woman sitting at this table is high achieving, um, very capable, very smart, um, can walk into any room and, and get business done. Um, and, we struggle with this every day. And so that means that yeah. almost everybody that's going to listen to this yep. is, that struggles with this as well. So it's really valuable. Thanks, Jason. So sneaky. He's the, He actually sits under the table, so sometimes he just comes out and puts things on the table. <laughs> I just imagine <laughs> like a bridge troll, table. and you just like yeah. pop out every once in a while to ask us riddles. And like, yeah. I forgot about the bridge troll. You're welcome. The, not back in your life. What does it say? That's a giant. Little That's Billy Grunt Grunt. Yes. There you Little go. Billy Grunt Grunt. Exactly. That. I think of it. But anyways, uh, so that's incredible value. So that was awesome. Um, yeah. Show. That's all I had. That's all your big questions. Yeah. Where can we Where can we find you, Janelle? Yes, you guys can connect with me at Janelle Lene, J A N E L L E 
Linnae, L-Y-N-N-A-E. No one knows how to spell those things. That's a lot of syllables. I know. A lot of (laughs) syllables, you guys. Press the replay. Um, And then LinkedIn is a great place to connect with me because I am doing B2B now. Uh, Next Level Confident is my business, and I am looking for businesses in the STEM industry to continue to partner with to help the women of those industries. And then for anyone listening, yeah, the Confidence Workshop or sorry, the Confidence Journal is a great journal to purchase, $14.99, uh, nextlevelconfident.com. Um, and I actually have another one that's called Get Ready and Attract Your Future Husband that is perfect for women who are single or dating and in a relationship that's a little bit like unsure. If you're like on the rocks in your relationship, it's a great one to get through to figure out, is this the right person for me or not? Because obviously I dated someone for six years because of a limiting belief, well, a couple limiting beliefs. And then now being in a happy, healthy, thriving marriage, I wanted to help women on that end too. And so confidence goes into all the different areas, right? Work, Love it, yeah. relationships, all that. So thank you guys so much for having me. I'm, it was really, really fun to yeah, be here. Thank you awesome. for thank you. Thanks for making us all cry. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I think you're the one who didn't fully cry, but... <laughs> And I really appreciate okay. I really appreciate your guys' vulnerability too. And Danae, thank you so much for opening up. That's, oh, yeah. That was Anytime. huge. Thank you. And for everyone listening, thank you for being here. We're, we know that there's a lot of podcasts to listen to. There's thousands of them out there. So the fact that you took an hour or whatever this is out of your day to, to listen to this is a really big deal. So we're really grateful for you. I'm sorry. Was that our new outro? <laughs> <laughs> hey guys we really appreciate you listening to the podcast and what we really need is for you to like subscribe comment share and let us know what you think and share it with everybody that you want to help level up their life too so until the next episode thanks